0: Hi, welcome to Pinnacle's Reliability Economics Report. I'm Ryan Sitton, the CEO of Pinnacle, where we specialize in data-driven reliability. Uh, with me is Jeff Kremmel, our Director of Market and Data Analytics, and this report is a first of its kind. While we have spent a lot of years analyzing data in reliability and sharing that data with customers, What has become clear over the last few years is that there is a lack of consistent KPIs or consistent measures to understand how reliability results in improved performance from an investment perspective across multiple industries. Uh, I've spent 20 years in the oil and gas and and petrochemical consulting space, Uh, have worked in a number of different capacities, and have one of my claims to fame is that I've been in probably half of the refineries in the United States, as well as a slew of operating facilities around the country. So on an anecdotal level, I've gotten a chance to see a lot of different operations and to witness the, the performance that comes with different reliability initiatives. One of the things that struck me about this report and the analytics that went into it was how data both reinforced the practices that some people use and also threw some water on some things that people are thinking. And we're gonna explore that today. But before I go further, I want to let Jeff introduce himself. Jeff, you've been with Pinnacle not even a year yet, but brought with, uh, brought with you a wealth of experience to doing this type of analysis, uh, both mechanical engineers, but I, I stopped at my lowly bachelor's degree. Jeff went on and got a master's and a PhD in mechanical engineering, but, but used that, that, that anal- analytical mindset to do a lot of different things. Jeff, give, give us a, a little bit of background on how you ended up here at Pinnacle working on this project and what excites you about it.
1: Yeah, the, I've been with Pinnacle for a little less than six months at this point. Before that, I spent ten years across um, the oilfield services segment, uh, worked in a lot of data-driven capacities. Started out in research and development, but then worked in a lot of data-driven capacities across pricing and profitability and market intelligence. And uh, got a chance, right, to apply these analytical school uh, tools and techniques and interests that I have uh, into some market-based, uh, you know, commercial uh, areas of focus. Um, so did that for a good bit of time, and then joined Pinnacle. And this has been a, a fun opportunity for me uh, to be able to use uh, you know a lot of these techniques that I had been using previously in different um, circumstances to really dive into reliability. Right? It's it's a traditionally underexplored um, topic. There's a lot of interesting data around it, but it's not um, all clean. It's not all visible and transparent. Uh, it takes some work to tease out um, insights and developments that we're trying to learn to to help us. Um, interact with our customers and, and participate in meaningful conversations. Uh, so it's been a really fun opportunity to to explore this very interesting space. Oh, thanks, Jeff. And, and as you said, it, it is a it is an interesting space. Uh, as I alluded
0: to already, we've spent a number of years at Pinnacle uh, understanding how investments in clinical programs or RCM programs or root cause failure analysis or all the, the programmatic things that a lot of facilities do in a lot of different industries. Uh, but, but the opportunity to share data doesn't just affect you know, some of the markets we're talking about, but it, it affects broadly the entire economy of certain areas. And, and we talk a little bit about this in the report, uh, and I'd like you to, to, to talk a little bit about this, Jeff. You know, one thing that, that struck me as we explored this was when you think about reliability, I mean, a lot of people think, oh, I mean reliability, it's how much something runs. But when you take a step back and you think about an entire industry, and then you branch out from one industry into other. So when we talk about refining and oil and gas exploration, when you talk about wastewater treatment, you talk about transportation, you talk about power generation, you, you start to get a sense of, of what a what a profound impact reliability is to, to, to regional and global economies. And I know we haven't explored this yet, but if you would just just kind of share a little bit about your thoughts on this. And we'll get into the details of the report, but if someone were to come up to the street to you and say, Jeff, how big a deal is reliability to, I don't know, the U.S. economy, how do you answer that question?
1: Well, in, in short, I mean, reliability is a, is a huge deal. It's, it's in a sense, um, kind of obviously so, uh, but also uh, it's, it's surprisingly nuanced how important it, it can be. And I think you know one of the things that, that I've personally learned as I'm uh, you know pursuing this, this journey, um, and, and we collectively learned as we dive into this report and try to build up these insights, Uh, is one of the challenges around reliability is speaking precisely about it. Understand exactly what we mean when we talk about reliability, you know, whether it's industry A versus industry B or player A within one industry versus player B within that same industry. Um, Vocabulary and and, and the imprecision that goes along with it and, uh, you know, a lack of of transparent data across, um, you know, some of these domains. Make it a tricky subject to talk about even though, um, you know, the water we drink and and the fuels that we use and, and the electricity that powers our daily life uh, are all predicated on having uh, you know, infrastructure that, that performs reliably. So it's a strange circumstance to, to have something that's so obviously important, uh, but at the same time have some real challenges in how we think about it and talk about it and study it.
0: Uh, I think that's very well said. In fact, one of the things that we talk about in this report to open up, before we get into the specific industry that we covered here, was the magnitude of reliability spend. And, and I, that should have been something I thought that we could fairly easily put our fingers on. And yet, as we, as we explore this, we try to be conservative. And in the report, from our economic analysis of the global economy, we said in the report, $500 billion is spent annually on reliability. I will tell you, my gut tells me that is an order of magnitude small. Now, now let me unpack that for a second and we'll, we'll compare that to refining in a second specifically. If you said, "Well, how much?" If I go to Southwest Airlines and I say Southwest Airlines, uh, which we have not analyzed yet, so this is an example, I said, "How much do you spend on reliability?" They would probably have a, a budget line item somewhere that was their reliability program, and they would talk about how they ran analytics, how they tracked maintenance activities, how they how, how they looked at different airplane performance, those sort of things. They may not include actual maintenance spent because they they tend to put that in a different bucket. Yet at the end of the, at the end of the day when they are doing maintenance work, that maintenance, if done correctly, is, is giving them more reliability than the maintenance costs, right? So this gets into this balance idea. I spend dollars on maintenance, on shutdowns, on turnarounds, on improvements, all to try to improve or increase my performance. And so therefore, all of a sudden, a lot of other things get sort of lumped into the reliability bucket. So if you've asked me today, in a global economy of $100 trillion or $90 trillion, whatever it is, I would say somewhere closer to $5 trillion annually gets spent on reliability. And I believe in as we, as we walk through future segments of the economy, when we talk about wastewater chemicals, mining, you're gonna see that number grow as we can define it better in other spaces. Uh, g- give me your thoughts on that, Jeff. You're, this, this marker we put out there, 500 billion a year spent on reliability, what, what's your reaction to that?
1: Yeah, I agree with you that it, it, it certainly feels right. Right, And, and there's this conundrum where, um, in a sense, right you could think that almost every dollar spent within heavy uh, you know, process industries um, is geared toward reliability, and since every dollar spent uh, is in service of trying to sustain some kind of operation. Um, and, and that would be a naive but, but you know, a somewhat appropriate view, I guess. Um, you know, an equally naive, but it seems like maybe, you know, a, a more commonly practiced view is what you're saying about, you know, a, a very narrow understanding of what a maintenance budget would be, a repair and maintenance set of activities, and, and what are the dollars and cents that flow into that bucket. Uh, I think one of the challenges that that we've embraced and and, and we're trying to make some progress on, we've made progress on in this report, and and it's one of the the founding motivations for this series of reports, is to think there's got to be some middle ground, right? There's there's an understanding that not literally every single dollar is in service and reliability, uh, but a lot more than just um, a narrowly understood uh, maintenance budget is in service of reliability. Um, And so we are, that's part of our inspiration is to work through what what does that middle ground look like? What, What did the dollar amounts you know, actually appear to be. Uh, and then once you understand that, you can really, you, you have some liberty to explore. You know, we, we know how the world works today and how our assets perform today. Um, we can imagine what, that, what we could achieve going forward. And with an understanding of what kind of return we're getting on our reliability investment today, uh, we're in much better position to have a conversation about what that might look like tomorrow and what levers we should pull. Um, so it's, it's an interesting dollar amount to consider. It, it, it's in a sense almost frustrating because I know we'll never get to, you know, the right answers. There's almost no such thing as a right answer. Um, but I feel like it, we're able to advance this conversation in important ways by uh, being a bit more realistic about what reliability spend actually means. Yeah, thanks, Jeff.
0: And you know, as you, as you talk about that, when understanding what reliability spend really means, that, that, that brings us back to this report. And, and one of the, a lot of the lead up questions that we got you know, from people before we started today was really, why, why put this report out? And, and let me speak to that now more directly. You know, we've, at Pinnacle, our, our mission, our vision is to make the world reliable. And whether that's in service of, of refineries, uh, which this report covers, or chemical plants, or mining operations, or wastewater treatment facilities, you know, we have to understand what good performance in reliability looks like. And until you have a marker out there, that's a, that's a hard thing to do. You deal with a lot of subjectivity. And it is as old and as established as some of these industries are, I'm frequently surprised by the level of subjectivity that gets introduced, right? You go to to one water treatment plant, you hear a certain set of numbers, a certain set of programs, a certain set of expectations. You go to another water treatment plant that looks very similar and yet due to their traditions and their, their programs, their local municipal expectations, you get a very different set of answers. So quantifying that, is a pretty powerful notion. And we believe that we have done something by sharing this that we have never had an in industry before. And so let's let's launch into that uh, by understanding you know, why we started here. So this the, the cadence that we have at Pinnacle that we're only making public for the first time, but we had for a while is every year we take a, a global look at, refi- at, at reliability. In other words, all industries, all economies, what does reliability cost us? Uh, what does reliability give us? What's, what's, the, what's the optimal balance globally? Then let's look at very specific segments. Let's look at refining, let's look at wastewater, let's look at petrochemicals, specialty chemicals, mining, and then let's, let's see how those intersect and even get into some areas that you wouldn't normally think of as reliability from our perspective, like education or healthcare, you know, some, some, some other, what, what about home air conditioner systems, right? Areas that, that we don't think of heavy industry and how does that data fit in? The first time we we have gone public with this data is in this refining report, and the reason we started with refining was because refineries offer us some some opportunities that most industries don't. And a couple of things I'll explore here. if you ask the question, well what what is the what 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 are companies spending on things? Well refineries, a lot of that data, especially in the United States, is public. And even if it's not, you know, on corporate financials, when you go to overseas areas, there's a lot of Institutions, government agencies that track and report data. There's academic institutions. There's there's you know groups like Wood McKinsey that have been set up. We reference them in here that track and report data. So there's a lot of data available for refining that makes it easier, easier to pull it together and do a global analysis. The other thing about refining is it is in general, refineries do what refineries do. In other words, every refinery around the country call it on the high side, 700 of them. They bring in crude oil and they put out refined products. They may be very simple, they may be very complex, but essentially have a similar function. That's, that's two, why, why it makes it good to start with refining. Uh, and then three is refining is, is a, or I would say oil and gas, is a pretty globally fungible commodity. When you start looking at things like water or you're looking at things like mining operations, Sometimes the, the local pricing of those commodities can be wildly different, and so it can be harder to pull them together. And while in refining, crack spreads can, can fluctuate a little bit on, you know, in specific instances. In general, they tend to normalize out. So because of that, we selected refining as the first interim report, or the first industry that we take the hard look at. Um, Jeff, I wanna let you talk a little bit about kind of the, the basis of this analysis. So we're gonna go into how we think about what reliability spend is, and how we looked at the data to, to build that up, because not every refiner reports that, but, but we've done a lot of work here with our team to, to build those costs up. And I want you to talk about that. But before I do, let's, let's define the term, let's define a couple of terms. One, in the industry, a lot of people talk about reliability, uh, availability, utilization, and, and the, these terms... In, in the very specific instances are fairly tightly defined, but when you talk about an overall system, they, they get a little bit generic or they tend to blend a little bit. From our perspective, we said reliability is a, an operation that runs when you want it to. Now, some would say, oh, that's availability. And some would even say that's utilization. Well, whatever you define it as, if you want it to run, it does. And that's, that's reliability. So if you, yeah, I intentionally shut it down for a turnaround. Well, you still would have liked to have run it. So that that turnaround time, that downtime is taking off reliability. However, if you said this plant just isn't profitable, we're gonna shut it down for two months, then that didn't hit your reliability numbers. And so we we look at the reliability as it running when you want it to. And on the, the, the flip side, uh, reliability spend was all dollars that refiners spend to try to get the optimum production, the optimum performance, between turnarounds or between projects. And so that includes maintenance, its inspection, its turnarounds, its it's all of that stuff that's done and the dollars spent accordingly that that is intended to give you the best performance between there. So so Jeff take those if you would and unpack a little bit how we went through this analysis to get a to get a a a good consistent measure across the global refining industry.
1: Certainly. So what we did was rely on um, both third-party data and data that we could get directly from the refiners themselves, their own disclosures, uh, to form a base for what we understood their operating costs to be. And in this case, when we're talking about operating costs, we're saying net of what they would spend to buy feedstock, say. So strip out your cost of supply, and we're really looking at um, you know the energy that's required to run the facility, the uh, people that are required to run it. Um, You get all the reliability spend that we find, uh, some miscellaneous costs in there for insurance and taxes and so on and so forth. Um, That's the bucket of operating costs that that we're most interested in. Now, from that bucket, what we're trying to do is tease out uh, how many dollars and cents should we earmark toward reliability. Um, It actually gets a little more complex than that uh, in terms of trying to understand, you know, accounting standards may end up hiding reliability, dollars in some buckets versus other buckets, so we work through a lot of those details. Um, And then what we're left with, and we described it a bit in the report, is to uh, make our best estimate around, for refineries around the world, what do they spend uh, for energy to run those uh, refineries? What do they spend on labor uh, to keep the refineries operational? We know that those costs vary um, around the world and we need to account for the regional variation to really try to get down to an apples-to-apples understanding as best we can, knowing there's always gonna be some noise in it, um, but as best we can, trying to get to an apples-to-apples understanding of what uh, refineries in the United States versus Europe versus Asia, sp- Asia Pacific spend um, on reliability and, and our view of reliability, right, where we're combining um, this standard, you know, run and maintain type activities with uh, the larger, you know, more intensive turnaround activities that we see. Um, so there's there's quite a bit of modeling effort that goes into making sure that we're doing the best we can to get to um, you know a, a representative understanding uh, regionally around the world, so that we can draw the the kinds of comparisons and insights that we're drawing in the report.
0: Uh, great, and, and in fact, if, if we can build on that a little bit, if in fact let's let's go to one of the tables. We're not going to cover everything in the report today, but we will. Um, we will we'll pick on a couple of specific areas to, to sort of help, help explain this. And I wanna start with uh, figure two, which is the the analytical results of US refining. And, and I should have said this in the beginning, we'll take questions throughout our, our talk today and we'll also uh, take them at the end. And so we've got a couple here, I'm monitoring as they come in. And so if you've got one, put it into the chat. The um, the, the moderator will send them up to me and we can, we can pick them out as they fit what we're talking uh what we're talking about uh, one question we got what are the top 5 categories of spending in that reliability budget and Jeff you hit on that a little bit just now you know in terms of manpower equipment i think i can say we we didn't parse it out in terms of how how typically refiners budget items we looked at it a little bit differently you know does it go in the maintenance bucket does it go in the turnaround bucket the way we were able to do that i think Jeff is by looking, especially in the United States, at public financial disclosures. Can, can you opine on that a little bit, whether you can give five or, or, or a, another number, can you, can you
1: bucketize reliability spend at all from the analysis that, that we did? Oh, good question. So you were right that um, what we didn't do, say, is create a pro forma income statement Uh, for each region so that we could say, you know, bridge from all the way from the revenue line item down to all the way to whatever profit metric uh, you would prefer and get a line item by line item estimate of the cost structure regionally around the world. Uh, The big analytical effort for us was to decide um, within this bucket of operating costs that we see for each region around the world, how much of that uh, should land in the reliability bucket. And we actually did that by a process of elimination. The idea was when you take this operating cost bucket, Uh, and you're already net of uh, cost of materials and the feedstock cost, which is by far the largest expense for um, refiners, then we're left with this this bucket. And we know if we can pull out our estimate for the cost of energy, for cost of labor, for these miscellaneous expenses um, that don't have a clean place to land elsewhere, what we're left with Uh, is what our estimate is of reliability spend. And to your point, one of the sanity checks that we made was we could go, uh, we had enough data for U.S. refiners with the uh, resolution that they disclose their financial operational performance. We could sanity check the U.S. numbers to make sure that, yes, this approach of process of elimination from a a larger operating expense bucket does get us Uh, To a reasonable estimate of reliability spend and then we could take that same methodology and use it for refiners around the world
0: Do I Jeff comment on this because as I recall one of the interesting things we found was that most refiners have a pretty tight ratio between turnaround and maintenance spend and I, I it was interesting to see and some some refiners reported it in their financials some didn't but by and large most refiners it's it's almost a 1 to 1 ratio maintenance and turnaround across us refining uh, i can't remember and you can comment if if we saw those parallels overseas or not but 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 talk about that relationship
1: yes so so that's what we saw you know across the us refining community that was the only data set where we could um, uh, reliably, no pun intended. Understand, uh, you know how much would how much of the spend would land in this traditional maintenance bucket um, that typically just gets expensed on your income statement, versus how much lands in uh, you know within turnaround, say, in a, a capital cost bucket that would end up getting depreciated uh, through your income statement. And so, and uh, for U.S. refiners, we saw almost a one-to-one uh, relationship, which um, in a sense was surprising. You know how robust that relationship was across. Um, different refiners, you know, across uh, long enough windows of time where you could make sure you had enough turnaround activity in that window to uh, compare, you know, the standard maintenance expense versus what we saw for turnarounds. Um, but it was a pretty robust rule of thumb, this one-to-one uh, correlation that we see between standard uh, maintenance expense and turnaround investment. The let, Let's jump into and
0: explore that a little bit more for U.S. refining. So can we bring up figure two? This would be the throughput Versus estimated reliability spend specifically for U.S. refiners, and you know this this I think might be the, the one of the, the points of most discussion. In other words, as we put this report out there, uh, let's let me describe this report a little bit, and then Jeff, give us give us some insights that you have on it. What you've got here is the average throughput per refining company. So this is this is for 2017, 2018, and 2019. The seven U.S publicly traded, independent refiners, what they spent on reliability on a per barrel basis, that's the x-axis, and on the y-axis, their annual throughput. And so if you know the U.S. refining sector, you know who the guys are are that have roughly 3 million barrels per day, right? You can probably pick out who these guys are. And this is all generated from public data. So it's it's what we're showing up here is nothing nothing that's private information, uh, except for the fact that we model some of that data in into our um, into this presentation. But you'll see here an an interesting spread. Now, one of the things that folks will notice is, well, how come your your graph ends at at seven, but the U.S. refiners seem to top out at three dollars per barrel? And and when we get into when we talk about other regions, which we might not have time to cover today, you'll understand why we use that spread. But overall, you see that there's this a pretty dramatic spread here from what, rely, what, what companies spend on reliability. This is maintenance and turnarounds versus their throughput and um, kind of where the sweet spot is. So, Jeff, what, what were your what insights did you
1: gather? What struck you about this analysis? Yeah, there, there were several things that that I found interesting as we look through this plot. So, like you're saying, you know, the, the darker colored uh, dots here are for independent refiners. The brighter color um, are for international oil companies that have operations here in in the U.S. And um, so w- one thing was, was pretty clear, uh, but, but was still interesting to see in the data, which was you know, these large international oil companies um, you know, uh, maintain a very narrow window around their reliability spend. And, that, and that's to be anticipated. They have a lot of capital to throw at these um, projects. They have, um, you know, they're well-versed in, in owning these facilities and, and operating and maintaining these facilities. So they're calibrated well around what they expect to spend uh, to, to keep these operations performing reliably. Uh, amongst the independent refiners we see a lot more dispersion in the results and like you said uh, spoiler alert We have the you know seven dollar out there on the on the upper range Not because we need that for us refiners But as we go around the world we start to see some you know even more interesting dispersion in these kinds of results uh, But what we see for the independent refiners is you know consistently they can be some of the lowest cost Operators that we have in the United States. Um, it's also interesting to me that scale doesn't offer as much um, of a, an advantage around, um, you know, trying to clamp down a reliability spend as I would have anticipated. There's some smaller refiners that are able to achieve, you know, some pretty aggressive, um, you know, spend targets uh, like their much larger peers would. But in general, yes, we see, you know, U.S. refiners pushing and particularly when we start to compare this with other regions around the world. Um, you know, this is a very, uh, there's very aggressive cost discipline uh, in the United States across the uh, reliability spend spectrum. So Jeff, if I'm look at this graph, and I, you know, you're, I'm, let's
0: suppose I'm seeing this for the first time, and I say, okay, what is what is really good look like, and what does what does you know, kind of mediocre to poor look like? If I said, well, it looks like a dollar per barrel in reliability spend is good, two
1: dollars per barrel and and higher is poor. Am I am I oversimplifying? No, I think that's that's a good rule of thumb, and it's it's important that we be able to. Um, you know, understand again, you know, what What are the targets here? What kind of um, expectations should we have around um, how reliability programs can be, can be performed and what kind of investments we need to make in those programs to get those kinds of outcomes? I agree with what we see across the U.S. refining community, and we'll see it uh, in, in the, um, you know, best-of-class uh, refiners in other regions of the world. If if you can get down, you can get down to $1 per barrel or less reliability spent and still maintain substantial utilization levels. Um, and so for refiners that aren't at those levels, I think that's the right aspiration to, send, to ask some questions but on both sides of that equation around what kind of reliability outcomes are we seeing today, what are we investing to get to those outcomes, and how far above a dollar per barrel, in the U.S. at least, uh, are we? Because that gives a good sense of what kind of improvement we might be able to expect.
0: So break it down for me this way. Let's suppose I'm a plant manager of a 200,000-barrel-a-day refinery, which means over the course of a year I'm pushing through something like 70 73 million barrels a year of production. Uh, am I saying, hey, I, I need to be spending between maintenance and turnarounds, I need to be spending less than $73 million, and I ought to be achieving an availability of what with that, in refining speak, or reliability of what of my refinery?
1: Uh, the, the numbers we've seen, you can get you know uh, availabilities and, and utilizations in the mid-90s, 95% or so, Um, And so, yes, I I think that that's that's the aspirational target you set. Anything above $73 million in that particular example is something where you know, okay, there's opportunity here to either reconfigure that spend, redeploy that spend. Uh, Possibly that spend is just being targeted toward wasteful activities that it can get reduced. Uh, But we are pretty confident that above a dollar a barrel, there's a really good chance that some of that spend is not correlating with the availability or the utilization that you're seeing operationally. And as a result, it may not be worth investing the money to get whatever outcomes you're you're trying to get in excess of that $1 per barrel threshold. Year to year, we see a lot of variability. So, so you know, it's it, in one-off cases, it might be the case that there's, um, you know, more high-profile, high-intensity activities that land in one calendar year versus another. Um, but in general, that $1 barrel threshold, I think, is a... A useful threshold to study and to compare against for U.S. refiners. Well, then let's. Let, we
0: already kind of you said spoiler alert. We've we've talked about what's happening internationally. Let, let's let's talk about that international uh, spread because I think there's some availability differences that that make this instructive. Uh, if we could pull up table number one, and this is the this is in, if you're following your report, uh, page fifteen. Where we actually walk through on a regional basis, and what struck me about this table is that you is, is the utilization numbers, the which in the end we we talk about this in the report. We don't actually have reliability because we, we can't parse out how um, when they wanted or not wanted to run. But in general, we we feel like utilization is a good proxy for reliability or availability. And when you look at uh, you know, across the the globe, obviously the United States has. As I say, obviously, I wasn't surprised to find that the United States has one of the highest utilization rates at 90%. I actually was, though, a little bit surprised at other areas that were high and low. I was surprised at the dispersion. To be quite frank, at India at 102% of utilization, that, that, shocked, that surprised me. I wasn't expecting to see that. Uh, g- give us commentary on what you saw, understanding the various quote unquote, reliability levels or utilization levels across regions. And it may be anecdotal,
1: but but what did you find in your research? Yeah, but so so it's what you suggested, that, that the U.S. came in, you know, near the top of that spectrum, which wasn't terribly surprising. What was more interesting was to see, you know, given the baseline that the U.S. is setting, uh, what do we see coming out of different regions? Now, to your point, you know, the, the number that probably sticks out, well, it, it possibly sticks out the most. There's a couple that are pretty interesting, but one is India that, that technically had over 100% utilization. In this case, you know, for some of these regions, we get to small enough aggregate refining outputs that, that there might be noise. This is a, a one-year metric here, and so, um, you know, there's, there's some noise, there's some one-off events that can... You push regions uh, up or down, particularly if they have a small enough um, aggregate refining throughput. You know, those those large regions where we see a preponderance of activity like we do in the U.S. and in China, the rest of Asia Pacific, um, you know, those kinds of numbers are what we'd expect. The, the world is typically in this 80 to 90 percent range. Uh, we see a couple of regions, you know, down at the bottom Africa, South Central America, uh, that are considerably less than we see in, in other parts of the world, Mexico uh, included. Um, and in those, it's it's understood there's, there's unique operational and political challenges that happen in those places that, that really suppress the um, you know, productivity that we see in the refining sector in, in those places. But for the big uh, segments, that, you know, the big regions we see around the world, this 80 to 90 percent range is, is what we ended up seeing. Uh, and it's more or less consistent with what the expectations were going into the report. So if you're, a, um, if you're a U.S. refiner
0: today, in fact, one of the questions we've had come in was how has spending on maintenance and reliability changed uh, post-COVID? And, and I think that's a great question because, look, we're all, we're all dealing with the kind of market challenges. And, and I'll, I'll talk a little bit about what we're seeing more on the just general economic side. But, but specific to this report, Jeff, if you're a U.S. refiner today, how do you feel versus your international counterparts? In other words, if you're trying to be competitive on the global landscape, what, how do you feel?
1: Uh, You know, I would feel optimistic as a U.S. refiner. Um, You know, there's plenty of advantages to being uh, in the U.S. We had just mentioned, you you know, some economic and political challenges that take place elsewhere in the world. Um, And largely the U.S. has been able to insulate itself from those kinds of challenges. So you have that advantage, Uh, you have access to inexpensive supply on the upstream side, a robust uh, upstream segment that's able to feed, you know, a lot of high-quality feedstock into this refining segment. Um, and then you have a lot of uh, you know, best practices, a lot of fast following that takes place where uh, as, as soon as one U.S. refiner is able to uh, demonstrate over time the success of uh, specific approaches because of, uh, of the nature of that, you know, how many of these refiners are publicly traded, uh, how, how widely discussed a lot of these approaches are, um, you get quick adoption of these best practices. And so U.S. refining sector as a whole uh, tends to lead the world in both in terms of economic attractiveness and um, operational output. Yeah, you know, one of the things, and this gets to the question about
0: COVID. We, we've probably seen, I, th- I think, on a on a overall economic perspective, we've seen a a, a more stark contrast. In in the way the U.S. refining sector works versus overseas, and, and this is a bit of commentary, uh, but but it's appropriate here. You know, you look around the world, a lot of a lot of international refiners are either co-owned, sponsored, or just flat out owned and operated by governments. And we talk about this in the report. You know, you. For some international refiners, I'll pick on Mexico, for example, you know, it has become clear that, that, that Pemex sort of views its refining infrastructure as a jobs program. I mean, the, the economics, I think, and we, we don't have all the data, but from what we can get, it looks like those refineries do not operate profitably. There, there's not a, a good return on reliability spend. So you ask yourself why. Well, if you're a, if you're a government and you say, I've, I'm either going to have to have a social program to afford people to live, I might as well spend that money to run a refinery. And so as you talked about earlier, we, we, we had to pull that out in our, in our analysis. What that means, though, is if you're a U.S. refinery, you are competing against an overseas refinery that may be getting government subsidies, and and you're not seeing those. You also are recognizing that in places like China, there there's over the next three or four years, maybe five, another two million barrels a day of brand new refining capacity coming online, in the middle of all this, right, we've seen COVID and, and specifically the government lockdowns in reaction to COVID really diminish fuel supply, certainly in the short run. And there's some questions about whether or not that's going to sustain into the long run. Overall, it's been a very tight market. And back to the question that was asked you know, how has spending changed vis a vis COVID? I, I, I think what we've seen is we, we couldn't, it's hard to say. In other words, the answer to the question is we're not exactly sure. It has absolutely gone down. We, we can say that, and, and depending on which refiners. In fact, if you go, if you were, if we were to pull back up, I don't want to. But if we pulled back up that figure too, those refiners on the low end of the spectrum who are already spending less on maintenance and thir- on turnarounds theirs probably hasn't changed much. The guys on the higher end of the spectrum they begin to cut pretty aggressively. Uh, so, so, economically, as people are trying to deal with this downturn and these very slim margins and the changing, the very rapidly changing dynamics, absolute spending has gone down. Uh, we really don't know what's going to happen in the future. My conjecture is that there's going to be some refineries shut down, which we've already seen. We just heard the announcement of Shell Norco shutting down, uh, Marathon out in California, I think two in California actually, another one up in, in um, New England area. So as refiners are shutting down, margins begin to come back. I think that that spend is is going to come back into more traditional lines, but Jeff, comment on that. What are you seeing?
1: Yeah, I was going to say, that, you know, your comment around shutdowns—it's it's where my mind goes when I hear that question about you know a post-COVID world and what spending patterns look like. I think you know one of the most interesting things happening in in the global refining sector today is this discovery process of which assets are going to survive, which assets are going to continue to be productive going forward, uh, and which no longer will be. And if those that no longer will be productive, are they literally just going to get mothballed, or are they going to get um, you're transformed into some kind of terminaling facility or maybe a renewable fuel facility, and um, so there's this very exotic high-stakes discovery process unfolding um, where different refiners are trying to understand which assets sort of survive, because uh, the assets that survive, you want to continue to invest uh, aggressively, even into the reliability performance of those assets. At the same time, uh, you, you know you're you're aching for that crystal ball to understand if there's any refineries that that aren't going to survive this process. Uh, you'd rather not invest another penny into trying to to sustain operational performance there that something's going to go away. Um, and so I think, like I said, very high stakes. Um, you know, multi dimensional, highly uncertain discovery process that's unfolding around the world. And almost every day we get a new piece of information about uh, what this asset infrastructure looks like and what throughput may look like tomorrow compared to today. Um, and so that I think that that has to unfold. Once you understand which assets are being pulled out of service, uh, and I'll either find a new life or be scrapped or, or however they're handled. Um, when you know the assets that remain, I, I can actually see a world where those are even more aggressively invested in. Those will be the, the most productive assets, the most attractive economic assets. Um, and every day we're learning more about how to optimize reliability in these heavy process industries. Uh, and so it may be the case that you hit pause now while demand is uh, you know, slowly trying to recover, and while supply, the, there's some questions about what supply actually looks like. Hit pause for now, uh, but once we get some kind of certainty on the back end of this, uh, uh, maybe invest even more aggressively coming out of it than you did going into it.
0: Yeah, back to this idea of investment, uh, which you just mentioned. Uh, this, the thing that, that comes back to me is, is what I thought might have been the most maybe insightful piece of the data analytics, even though it was, it was grayer, but it was, it was interesting, was when, when uh, we explored this idea of is all reliability spend created equal? Right. I mean, certainly you can look at how much people are spending, what their utilization is. We talked about the U.S. refining spectrum. And we go through the, the international spectrum uh, you, of, of operations. You, you start to see some, some pretty big, wow, why is so, somebody spending so much and only getting certain performance? Uh, let's pull up the, um, the profitability uh, by region because I think this was, this was telling. This is a uh, figure six where, you, where we parsed out. The, 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 the nations or the regions and how much they were spending versus, or, or how much their profit was and utilization was. You know, this, this I thought was really interesting, and it, it lends to the next graph, which we'll cover in a minute, about you know, return, actually in terms of, of reliability. Um, this, if you look at this, you say, well, there, there is a relationship, right? You see the U.S. Uh, and, and Canada having higher EBITDA Right? And their utilization is higher. So certainly the relationship between utilization and profitability seems to be somewhat correlated, but, but not exactly. I mean, there's, it's not like, uh, you know, you, you see in, India down at the relatively lower profitability range, but yet very high utilization. And so if I'm out there saying, well, I, I need to make investments. And at the end, I, I want that investment to return. I, I, wanna, I wanna spend some dollars on reliability. I wanna get that utilization up. And I expect that utilization to result in EBITDA. Well, it, it doesn't always can you comment on that what what's happening around the world such that if if the average sort of refining sector out I'm talking not US and Canada but everybody else is hovering in this you know $2.50 range per barrel um but their utilization seems to have no impact on that. Can you comment on that?
1: Yeah, it's a great question. Um, you know, and my my conjecture or assumption at this point uh, is and, and it's and it's interesting to me because it, it again fuels you know the the broader reliability investigation that we're trying to perform, which is you know reliability in a lot of different contexts is actually underexplored, right? For as ubiquitous and as important as it is, um, you know from an analytical perspective, it's actually under underexplored. And for refiners, the the dominant cost is this cost of feedstock. So you have a lot of, um, you know, intellectual capital and, and human capital put into trying to source the right feedstocks and trying to find the right, um, you know, uh, downstream markets uh, for finished products, um, because that's the dominant source of cost for each of these refiners. What we're learning is that I think, in a lot of important ways, reliability is almost an afterthought. It's almost a um, compliance exercise that we know we feel compelled to spend this, that, or the other to keep the operation uh, moving, but we don't have a whole lot of confidence that every dollar uh, that we're steering toward, you know, keeping uh, operations performing reliably, actually impacts the reliability of those facilities. And so what we end up seeing is something like that chart where we're looking at profitability, we're looking at utilization, um, but we see almost a lack of correlation around those. Uh, And it's because, you know, I think there's a lot of opportunity to be, um, you know, more deliberate. Uh, and intentional around understanding reliability spend uh, and calibrating it as you would any investment around what kind of outcomes, both profitability and, say, aggregate throughput that you're looking for. Um, And I think that that there's a lot of room for improvement in that regard around the world at the refining sector. uh, And I think the data is bearing some of that out.
0: Well, let's jump forward then to the next one, because I think that uh, this this is on page 33 of the report where, where we talk about profitability versus estimated reliability spend. So last one was profitability versus utilization. This is now versus reliability spend. And, and this one was the one I was saying was a little grayer. But, but frankly, it, it um, I think it begins to lend towards some of this analysis you're talking about of reliability spend. Uh, if we can pull up figure seven, the, the, the chart here is EBITDA and U.S. dollars per barrel <clears throat> across um, across basically all of the different refineries. This was, this was Europe, this was U.S., this was all the areas that you looked at, companies, entities, regions, and, and the estimated profit, and then what they're spending on reliability. And what, what struck me about this was, I guess, a couple of things. One, just the fact that the scatter plot was so scattered, right? You would think, I guess I would think, in an industry this established, that it wouldn't be this all over the map. In other words, we would have have teased out that, yep, here is the place to spend and you're gonna see that spend and profitability, understanding that, look, there there is a lot of noise introduced here by local crude advantage costs, energy costs, but still, that it's still all over the map I, I thought it was a little broad for that. I'd like you to, to in fact, let me just stop there and say I'll, I'll get my next conclusion in a second but but comment on that. i mean i, I was expecting to see a, a little bit more clarity here or correlation between when people spend dollars on reliability, they're getting those dollars back in EBITDA.
1: what are you what are you thinking yeah it's it's an interesting question i I had also uh, you know certainly if I had a rooting interest right, I would have hoped in a a, a little stronger correlation here to 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 make your know, this narrative. Um, a little more powerful, but we are still seeing that in general. And in this part, you know, is, is kind of obvious, but it's still there's a lot of noise here. So it's nice to see it borne out even amongst the noise, um, right? In general, as a refiner spends more and more, of course, you know, fewer dollars are going to uh, fall to the bottom line. Particularly if you're spending beyond a certain threshold, right? Beyond a threshold where you're getting some kind of return on that incremental spend. Um, and I think that's what we're seeing here. That This kind of noise to me suggests, again, that, that reliability spend historically um, is not nearly as intentional as it, as it could have been. But we don't have a great understanding of, you know, what the expected impact is of every dollar that we spend on a reliability effort, what the impact is on um, profitability. We may have a loose understanding of how we expect that. Uh, to perform, say, relative to utilization or throughput. But as we saw on the last slide, right? Even utilization alone isn't giving us a super strong correlation with profitability. So we may be spending to achieve higher utilization without understanding that utilization is really giving us meaningful improvements around profitability. So this chart here, I think, takes that that last chart that we looked at, uh, you know, another layer deeper, and says there. To me, that the optimistic message is we could be a lot more intentional around reliability spend. We can likely uh, achieve a lot more uplift around profitability, excuse me, with that added intentionality around for liability spend. And and I think the world's in a good place for uh, that kind of improvement.
0: So Jeff, if I take what you're saying and I translate it into I'm a maintenance manager or an engineering manager at a refinery today, what it sounds like you're telling me is, look, there's a lot of programs out there. There is corrosion monitoring, there's PMs, there's typical rebuilds on compressors and, and pumps. There, there's like all of the standard stuff I spend time and effort on. And what it sounds like you're telling me is a lot of that is programmatic. We, we, we've kind of done it this way. We're complying with our normal sort of practices and standards without really asking the question, am I getting improvement back from that? And in fact, what, what, I, what I was surprised by the last graph was so basically people spending more on reliability are having less profitability. And, and what you're saying is yes, because that spend is not, is not intentional enough to result in real reliability. And that seems to, to, to when, I, when I correlate that back to the graph of in just now U.S. refiners, where you say that these guys, that, that you've got these very high, on, on the low end, the U.S. independent refiners, these, these guys that in that 70 to 80 cents a barrel range when we looked, they actually had really high availability. They were in the 96, uh, 97% availability, yet they also had the lowest reliability spend. So it seems like they are being more intentional is what you're saying with their dollars, making sure that those, those dollars
1: are actually resulting in improvements, not simply complying with the program. I think you're exactly right. I think um, you know, we can see, right, as, as reliability spend levels increase, not only might, might we not see uh, improved profitability or improved throughput, we might actually see the opposite, right? We might spend more and get a negative return on that incremental investment. Um, if we're you know, taking down units too frequently or staying down for too long, and that's where we're spending this extra money on reliability. Uh, we're actually investing to get a negative return in that case. Uh, I think it's happening in a lot of places around the world, in pockets, right? Not not holistically, but it's happening in pockets. Uh, and as a reliability manager, I would uh, make sure, I think that's where, you know, I keep coming back to this word intentionality or being deliberate with this kind of spend. Uh, I, I think when, you know, we rely on, uh, you know, historical practices uh, or just sort of common sense understanding of what should or shouldn't happen, um, we, we really are at risk at getting negative return on some of this spend. And, of course, that needs to be the first place that we make a cut. And then, you know, with the spend that we're going to deploy and we feel confident about to know where and when and how we're going to deploy that. So let's let's kind of go in a, um a, 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 into some of the, the
0: trends and insights that we were covering here. You know, one of the things that I thought was was interesting when we, when in, in this is on page thirty one. We talk about operational improvements are are coming. You know, this it it seemed to me and this is kind of getting into the into the question about about COVID. You know, one thing that that has happened, and this is anecdotal. Um, but but see if the the looking back in the data it seems like this is the, the, the covid if you will is a, is a is a period on the end of a statement that's been going on for the last few years you know we've been seeing the refining industry and and many industries but certainly the refining industry talking about things like digital transformation for years and and what has happened over the last year since since covid and the market change i've i've been I've been surprised, maybe is the wrong word. It has been striking to me the level of change that companies are going through now versus the past. So if you were to look, this is public reports talking about downsizing and changing costs and investing in things that will drive operational improvement. The proportion to which companies are making commitments – to, to improve or change their operation versus just maintain steady state has been striking to me. Uh, as you were going through this, I know we're in 2020, but any, anything that's, that jumped out to you as you were doing this analysis, where, where are people who have made transformations versus those who are going on them versus those who are talking about them? Anything anecdotal that jumped out to you?
1: Yes, I think it's, it's you know, particularly in the US, right, where uh, refiners are, are more public um, about what kind of investments they're making, why they're making those investments, um, and what kind of outcomes they're seeing from the investments they've made historically. Uh, what we are seeing, and, and we called it out in the report, this notion of a digital transformation, but um, you know, the, the folks that are leaning more heavily into data, uh, it's a combination of leaning more heavily into data and leaning more heavily into a systems level view of how, um, uh, you know, how operational outcomes manifest. Um, and the idea that you know, there's two ways to look at that. You can look at it from the ground up and just um, you know, kind of narrow in and do unit by unit across a portfolio. Uh, or you can start from the top down, look at the whole system and, and try to study. And, and the ones that we found that meet in the middle and use data to study the breadth of their operation. And again, really um, introduce uh, some rigor around their investment programs and what kind of outcomes they expect to see. Those are the ones that we've seen historically achieve the best results. Yeah, well a question that just came in that I thought was interesting.
0: Um, is there any result, any, any analysis that correlates reliability spend to safety incidents? And we didn't cover that in the report because we focused on economics, but I thought I'd take a sidebar here because it, it's a great question, right? And one of the things that, that in the 20 years I've been around the refining industry specifically, there's a hesitance to, to talk about um, safety in a dollar in, in, a, in a dollar basis, right? And this is not just refining anywhere, oil and gas, a lot of big industry. It's it's safety first, and and that's that's not a dollar question. It's a it's a it's a requirement. We will not do business unless we're safe. Interestingly enough, one correlation that we didn't explore here, but that we have found over the last ten years, is it, that safety incidents and cora and profitability correlate directly. So in other words, those those safest refiners are also the most profitable. And so interestingly enough, if you look at if I were to go back to the graph that correlates reliability spend and profitability, what you'll find is actually there is an inverse correlation between reliability spend and safety, which is a pretty striking striking uh, uh, find in all of this analytics. Which was why that graph was really striking for us as we as we understood this. I'll go a step further, and we've got data that we could share on this. Just wasn't included in this report. Um, one of the things that we asked ourselves in 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 not building this report, but in the context of this report was what about things like uh, leaks, right? You've got, you know, while, while every leak may not result in a safety incident, you could say every leak is a potential for a safety incident depending on proximity of, of people. And, um, and one thing that we found was when, th- that there is not a direct correlation between reliability spend and leaks. And so, which, you, which once again, availability is not higher all the time. So back to one of the insights here was that not all reliability spend is created equal and it seems that that, that that is, it's not equal in terms of profitability, uh, loss of containment, or safety incidents, and all of that was was really striking to me. Uh, I, I know we didn't explore it in this report, but any any thoughts on
1: that, Jeff? Yeah, it's it's it is an interesting find. It it, it aligns with what we saw on the profitability side of things, um, and you know. The, Where my mind goes is to think uh, one way, at least that personally, I've always connected reliability and safety um, is that they're both, you know, just as much a mindset as they are, say, a a toolbox of operational tactics. And I think, you know, what we saw from a profitability perspective, but it wouldn't surprise me to see the same thing in the safety world, is, um, you know, it may be the case that there's some complacency that's introduced with, well, we're throwing an excess of financial resources at this problem, right? We'll buy our way into... Um, you know, uh, optimal reliability. We'll buy our way into superb safety outcomes. Um, and it's almost exactly the opposite, right? Because then, then you can kind of fall back on this idea that we don't have to think too hard or worry too much about this because we've invested so much in it. But again, I, it doesn't surprise me to, to think about the possibility that you could actually get a negative return on safety uh, with added investment if you're um, you know, careless enough or undirected enough with uh, how you steer that spend that's a great insight
0: I love the the idea that you're exploring there with this this complacency I know that it, it we, we we take not to say we as an industry take safety so so critically that I, I think in general that's one of the things you'll hear safety people talk about is complacency as, a, as an enemy of safety right and that that makes a, that, that rings true um, A couple last insights I I wanna cover here before we wrap up our discussion. And and we'll we'll take a couple more questions. We'll have time here before we wrap up. But um, the last two insights that we covered here, one was that North American facilities are providing a roadmap uh, for designing and executing optimal reliability programs. And and I I thought that was clearly the data shows that the US refiners are are out in front uh, in in terms of their spend level and their utilization level. Can you talk a little bit a layer deeper about that? I mean, what when you when you when we talk about that in this report, once again, anecdotally, what do you see out there that informs that or that? Oh, yes, I saw this going on that tells me that that this is why I can see North America is kind of leading the charge.
1: Yeah, one thing that I saw routinely as we were trying to build up this report is, um, you know, North American refiners are competing in, in a very difficult environment for capital and for um, attention from investors. Um, And so there's even more incentive today, right, to have Um, a strong narrative around what they're trying to accomplish, how they're accomplishing it, uh, what kind of returns on investment they're getting for all the resources that they're deploying uh, against these interesting challenges. Um, And so we get a lot more transparency, a lot more really interesting commentary around uh, how these management teams think about these challenges um, and and how they're going to marshal the resources they have, which largely, I mean, they have huge amounts, huge volumes of resources to steer um, toward these uh, world-changing problems. Um, and so in the US, you know, particularly right now, you have a lot of transparency, a lot of incentive to share um, and be seen as a leader. And uh, I think that U.S. refiners are like we had written in the report a bit about this notion of fast following, that um, they're all very hungry for insights, for uh, new innovative maneuvers. And as soon as something uh, is shown to have a bit of promise, then then it's quickly adopted. There's this um, ethos around um, experimentation and piloting. Um, And then as soon as the pilot goes, well, you know, how can we roll this out across a facility or across a a whole portfolio? Um, And that kind of profit incentive combined with the unique conditions that exist within uh, the capital landscape in this country today, uh, I think it actually encourages a a race to the top in a sense around uh, performance with reliability. Well, let's jump beyond that then to to that race to the top, as you said
0: in in our last uh, insight here that that two U.S. independent refiners have demonstrated clear differentiation for the rest of the refining segment and and we didn't open up the the chart of the entire. Well, let's do that real quick. We'll we'll end on um, let, chart number, where's all of the refiners? Uh, we didn't cover. Let, let's pull up... I want to pull up the the chart for China and India, and the reason I want to pull this one up, this is actually the reason I want to explore this one is because if you we didn't do this in the report, drop all the refiners on it, but if you drop those top two refiners on this graph, man, they're they're a, they're a clear spread ahead of of this group, and so do you see China, India saying, hey, I'm gonna I'm gonna pick those two U.S. refiners, and I'm gonna go copy exactly what they've done.
1: I, it would make a lot of sense. It's you know I, I think. When you kicked off this conversation today, right, we talked about um, the transferability of learnings around the refining sector that that you know at, at a real rough level a refinery is a refinery is a refinery I think there's a lot of opportunity to map the wins that we've seen in the US onto other regions I think it, some of it gets to exactly what you were talking about earlier that um, you know in other parts of the world's um, re- refining right? it's the, the profit motive uh, necessarily isn't the exclusive incentive uh, for decision-makers around how to run the refinery and uh, how to deploy the resources within that, that, that broader refining apparatus So I'd be very curious curious to see if, 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 you know, the global uh, macro economy steers these regions to really thinking really hard around return on reliability spend. I think there's a lot of opportunity to, to harvest learnings from what we see in the U.S. Okay, um, look at this question
0: here. Um, I'll jump, that'd be a good one to end on. Last question, Jeff, if I am a refiner in the world today, and what you're telling me is I look, at this, I look at one of these charts and I say, there is, a, there is a US refining company or US refining companies spending something like 70, 80 cents a barrel, and they're getting 96, 97% availability across complex, profitable facilities. And, and, and most refiners in the world are a pretty good distance away from that. Jeff, give me one piece of advice. How, how do I go chase that? What would I do? If I'm over here at you know, $1.20 a barrel or $2 a barrel or if somebody's in China,
1: $4, what am I doing to chase that? Give, give me one anecdote. So my one anecdote, it, it's, it's skewed, right? Because it's, it's who I am. But I, I would lean heavily into the data. I, I think that there's, there's a lot of um, value in, in this data. Even you know, from what I've seen, you know, plant by plant, there's a lot of interesting information. If you can start to marry up, Uh, the the economic data that we have access to working with customers across the refining sector uh, with the operational data that, that these operators have on a, again, unit by unit type basis and really get granular with it and then abstract all the way out to a budget, to a whole enterprise budget and understand what kind of performance you're getting holistically across that portfolio of assets. I think there is immense value in bridging those two understandings. I think today, Um, There's high-profile decision makers around the world that maybe live at one end of that spectrum. And then there's day-to-day refining reliability managers and plant managers that live uh, at the other end of that spectrum. I think there's immense opportunity to bridge those two to really understand holistically how does a portfolio of refining assets perform and how do you connect that all the way down to an asset-by-asset level performance. I think there's probably, again, this is all anecdotal, but, but based on the conversations I've had, there's um, a surplus of decision making built around heuristic or just rule of thumb or this is how we've always managed this unit in the past so we've not had a problem with it. So let's continue to manage that unit that way going forward. Whereas uh, you know, if you can be bold enough and confident enough uh, and, and frankly disciplined and patient enough uh, to unwind a bit and, and paint a whole picture around that data and marry it up with the um, you know, understanding of the business reality as these experts understand it to be, uh, I think you can unlock a ton of power. Those are easy words to say. It's an easy lecture for me to give. Um, it's very difficult to do, but, but I, I believe there's immense power in that. Uh, thank you, Jeff. One last question, and we'll, we'll do some closing comments here. And this, this
0: Robert asks, if I understand your statement correctly, did you find that there is a direct correlation between reliability and safety? If so, does this cover process safety and personnel safety? Actually, what the data bears out is that there is an inverse correlation between reliability spend and safety. In other words, those operators who are spending more dollars on on reliability are not getting better returns. Their safety records, safety incident levels are not better. Now, I should qualify that by saying the number of safety incidents in the refining industry is actually very low. And so it doesn't take a lot of safety incidents to skew data. But simply from a data perspective, and, and once again, I, I commented that uh, we, we, we hesitate to talk about dollars and safety, but safety is good business. And we see that play out. Those, those operators who are the safest are almost always the most profitable and, and vice versa, those who are most profitable are almost always the most safe. And as we saw earlier, those spending more on reliability aren't getting the profit, they're not getting reduced in leaks, they're not getting reduction leaks, they're not getting better safety records. So we find, go back to it, is that not necessarily is reliability spend resulting in safety. And and I thought, Jeff, you explained that well when you said that maybe that's resulting in complacency, we're throwing dollars at things. Uh, who knows, The, the there could be a large combination of drivers, but in the end, That's just simply, the data says that the correlation is not there. Spending more on reliability does not make you safer. Last thing I'd like to cover today, and somebody asked this question early on. Uh, Josh asked, uh, refiners are typically more reliable than other heavy industry sectors. Should those other sectors with less reliability copy the approach from refiners to increase reliability, or should they look for industry-specific strategies? As we talk about future reports, Jeff, comment on this, and then I'll, I'll close this out.
1: Yes, we, we do see a lot of value in trying to harvest learnings from one segment and applying them to another. Um, it gets back to the, to the metaphor I was just using before about a spectrum, right? At the most granular levels, no. Clearly, you know, there's, there's um, aspects of refinery operation that won't translate to um, how you'd run a water or wastewater treatment plant or how you'd run a petrochemical plant or so on and so forth. Um, But I think philosophically, certainly, there's, there's real transferability in understanding why we make the decisions we make, what an optimal decision looks like in the world of refining, and knowing the process by which those optimal decisions are being made, uh, what what part of that can map onto uh, the way we make decisions in other in other spaces? Um, so thematically, it's something that we're going to pursue as we look into these reports for different segments across the macroeconomy because we do firmly believe, yes, these lessons can be transferred um, and that paying attention to one and really harvesting learnings from one should give us a lot of advantage in other places. Thank you, Jeff. And I, I, that... I agree with that. It seems like across the board, especially when you think about
0: data analytics, right? Understanding how to analyze the way a facility runs, the system, the inputs, the cost, optimizing those for return. What's the value in running the facility versus the the cost to make it run? That seems to be a pretty consistent thing that we see across multiple industries. In fact, the transferability seems to me it's going up, not down, because as we, if we've solved sort of the, the, the independent problems, this compressor or this conveyor, and now we're moving to the more systematic problems, a lot of that stuff transfers pretty well. That ends our discussion today. We The next uh, interim report that we're going to be rolling out will be covering the water industry. Look for that coming out in the first quarter of next year where we'll unpack what's happening in arguably the world's largest industrial sector in terms of throughput. Uh, you'll you'll see that report come out as long as well into the next year. We'll have other reports covering other segments of the economy. Look also middle of next year where we will talk about overall reliability spend in multiple segments and what things are transferable, especially from an economic and a financial spectrum. Uh, across multiple industries and and the global economy. Uh, Until then, uh, we will be posting more data through Pinnacle's website, uh, always having interesting finds. And uh, we look forward to talking to you next year in the first quarter. Uh, This is Ryan Sitton, Jeff Bremel. Merry Christmas and Happy New Year.